0: This is the Golf Under Par podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. We are on a journey to find the information that's going to help you play the best golf of your life. Join us now as we dive in. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you know, I'm looking for golfers that want to improve their health, fitness, and performance. I'm putting together a 12 to 16 week program for golfers during this off season. I guarantee that if you put in the work, will gain 10 plus yards. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, then shoot me an email at jeremy at uphealthperformance.com or follow the link in the show notes. Thank you. Welcome to the Golf Under Par podcast, everybody. I'm Dr. Jeremy McCullough here with a special guest, John Sherman. Uh, You may recognize him. He's a a fellow golfer, and you probably recognize his practical golf from Twitter or from some other social media sites, Uh, you can find his website at practical golf.com where he's got a new forum where he's discussing everything that help you guys play better. And so also you can check out his book. He's an author of 101 mistakes all golfers make and how to fix them. John, thank you so much for coming on here and welcome to the show, man.
1: Jeremy, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to the discussion.
0: So I always start asking everybody, what got you into golf?
1: Um, I think I was actually typing this response the other day in a a thread on our forum. And I think my, my path to golf was probably a little different than most people, or maybe fairly similar to some, um, I, I grew up playing every sport, you know, basketball, baseball, hockey, football, whatever I can get my hands on. Um, you know, my, my parents never forced anything on me. They kind of supported whatever I wanted to do. And I think somewhere around the age of 10 or 11, I was going through my grandmother's garage and I found some really old golf clubs, like hickory shafts old. And there were some old balls in there as well. So I took them across the street to an abandoned schoolyard. And I just, I started taking piles of dead grass and stacking them up and just started hitting, whacking at the ball as hard (laughs) as I could. And I still remember very distinctly, um, when I made perfect impact with one of them, one of the, probably a persimmon wood, and the ball just took off and it felt amazing. And then um, from there, I just started going to the range. I was lucky my, my brother's um, father owned a driving range near us. So he would let me go and hit as many balls as I want. So my mom would take me there. I'd hit something like 300 balls until my hands bled. So, um, you know, I just kind of randomly fell into the game um, no one put a club in my hands. Um, I think I was just kind of like an avid athlete and then just chose golf one day.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, ben Hogan style there, bleeding hands, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't do that anymore, but, um, that, that's how I started bleeding, blistering hands as a
0: kid. <laughs> awesome. So obviously with was kind of like your description, uh, or the uh, title of your website, in practical golf. So, and you really help a lot of people with, you know, expectations management and course management and, and these kinds of things to improve their game. So I was curious as to, you know, what's one thing that bothers you the most about how golfers kind of approach the game and whether that's from a practice standpoint or course management or whatever it may be.
1: Um, so the, the four main cornerstones of what I like to discuss are expectation management practice, um, the mental side of the game and strategy and expectation management kind of bleeds into everything. I always view that as kind of a glue that holds your golf game together. And I would say that the thing that bothered me in my own approach to the game for a long time, and witnessing others, is that we we just we're never really taught when we take up the game what to expect um, from how we practice. Um, what are reasonable shots for our skill level? Um, picking smart targets. So I think most golfers inherently have an unrealistic set of expectations, um, of what they're going to get out of golf and how they're going to perform. And that's kind of the, the genesis of why I started the site and, and all the topics I explore. I guess I'm trying to point people in the right direction by helping manage their expectations. And I, I think you could call that coaching. Um, so that that's really the main problem I'm trying to solve, um, whether that's in my own game or, or watching other golfers on the course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so every, every time kind we go to the course and we see, you know, so much frustration among golfers and, you know, just that, that annoyance with, with the game, but then obviously there's always something that brings us back, but with that annoyance, you know, how can you, What's something that you'd like to share with golfers that help them kind of always enjoy their round?
1: Um, I think there's, uh, there's a few things you could do. I think first and foremost, you have to make a commitment to yourself um, or I, I guess an, an understanding as to why you're actually playing. I think a lot of us can get tied up into score um, and performance. And really the, the main reason we're playing the game is to enjoy ourselves. Um, You know, we're not, We're not playing for our livelihood like professional golfers do. So I think, you know, they're, they're under a whole different set of circumstances and pressure that they deal with. Um, and I think one of the things I struggled with for a long time was that, um, what I wanted to get out of the game and my expectation level and skill level, were all out of whack. So I think making a commitment to yourself that you're out there to have fun, enjoy yourself, spend time outdoors, um, spend some time with friends, perhaps traveling as well. There's so many great things to get out of this game. I think just making that commitment to yourself and I try and still do this to this day is that no matter what happens out there, um, I want to have fun or else, you know, golf is a huge time commitment. If you're between driving to the course, how long it takes to play, um, you're you're dedicating anywhere from two, three to six, seven hours of your day to this. So you almost have to take a step backwards if you're not having fun and say, well, what am I doing here? (laughs) Um, What can I do differently? Um, So I think that's kind of like a baseline thing that everyone can do is take a step backwards and and really try to think about why they're playing and what they want to get out of the game. Um, And then in terms of fixing that frustration – well, there's a number of ways to do that. Um, and I try to explore those uh, explore those um, ideas through my site. I mean, a lot of the ways is understanding what are reasonable expectations for your skill level. So for example, a lot of golfers want to make birdies. Um, through looking at stat tracking, we see that even scratch golfers are only averaging one to two birdies around, and then the rest of the golfing world is barely making any. So um, you know, a lot of golfers think they're playing for birdie and and when they do that, they're kind of forcing themselves into some errors that they shouldn't. So, um, there's a million ways to go to, to fix that frustration. A lot of it could be showing PGA tour stats, showing that, you know, even the best players in the world, despite what, you know, I think. Paul Azinger said, Oh, these guys can land it within a three foot window the other day. And that's just not true. Um, they can't, you know, I think from the the stat I always bring up is from 125 yards in the fairway, the best on tour is 15 feet. Um, so if you hit the green, (laughs) you got a putter in your hand, you've done well for yourself. Don't get angry that you're 30 feet away. So it's always taking a step backwards and saying like, okay, the shot I just hit, um, maybe that wasn't such a poor shot. It was actually a reasonable outcome for my skill level and probably a good, a better outcome than you ever believed. And a lot of that can be achieved through looking at, at stats.
0: Yeah. No, I think I was listening to a podcast just the other day with Max Homa on it. Uh, and he was discussing, you know, since whatever, the age of 12, it's basically been his job to, to play the game of golf. And, and so sure. definitely a different mentality or approach to the game than, you know, somebody like myself, where I pay the $40, 60 $70, depending on where I'm playing at. And um, I wouldn't just go out there and, and have a good time. So, you know, I shouldn't have have that same expectation or, or whatnot. And so I think, you know, what you bring up is that, remember why you're there. And I, you, we all get caught up in that, but taking that step back and, and realizing that I think is, is huge and important for that. So with regards, you mentioned the, you know, PGA Tour, you know, being able to get it in within, you know, 15 feet from 125 So what are, what's one or two things that you like to share with golfers to kind of help manage that expectation? So you've already shared that little stat there, but you got any, any other little tidbits? I think,
1: I think there's a lot of things you can look at now that we have, um, there's a lot of companies like Arcos and ShotScope and GameGolf who have tracked golfers, uh, performance on the course. And there's a few things that, you know, we've, we've seen. And, And first of all, I would tell anyone, um, who's looking to get better and score lower in their rounds is that you really have to build your game around hitting more greens in regulation. And, and that doesn't mean you need to hit a ton of them. Um, A very low handicap, close to scratch levels, only hitting about 50% of their greens around, maybe a little bit more. Um, So that bleeds into a number of different categories. First would be strategy is that, um, you know, off the tee, the number one, thing you want to keep in mind is yes we want to advance the ball as far as possible it's a game of proximity but you also want to avoid the big trouble Um, and you don't need to do that with tremendous distance another thing we've figured out is that um, at the recreational level most golfers are driving at about 220 to 230 yards with their driver Um, so while I I often tell people yes you do want to increase your distance you you still don't need to hit it 300 yards to achieve your goals Um, so getting back to Hitting more greens in regulation is that um, it's not something you have to set out to do and hit 15 greens around. If you're someone who's currently looking to break 100 or 90, hitting as little as four, five, six greens in regulation per round could dramatically change your score because when you're on the putting surface uh, from an approach shot, Um, Now you've increased your chances of making a par, but more importantly, you've limited the opportunity to make a double bogey or worse. And those are really the scores that hold golfers back from getting to the next level. Um, So, you know, when we talk about managing expectations is that you don't need to go out there expecting perfection. What you do want to do is see some incremental progress. And I think keeping track of your stats... Um, through one of the shot tracking companies can help you with that. Not necessarily just fairways hit, um, but looking a little deeper as to, you know, how far off the fairway are you going? Are you hitting a lot of foul balls? What can you do to fix that? Is it something in your technique or is it, are you just aiming improperly? Um, So I think, you know, looking at these stats, either sharing PGA tour stats or looking at what other golfers are doing at levels you want to get to, is very helpful for managing expectations. I think Arcos has, um, they have strokes gained now. So you could see if you want to get to a 10 handicap where you're losing strokes to those players and a company like ShotScope is going to be adding that soon. Um, So I would think looking at those numbers, um, keeping track of your rounds, seeing benchmarking yourself against other players, um, that'll enable you to stop putting so much pressure on yourself and really start to see that, you can get to the level you want to get to um, without hitting all of the great shots that you're seeing on TV, which is really just a highlight reel of the best players who are playing the best at the moment. Um, so I think those are all, hopefully that makes sense to a lot of people, some ideas you can do to kind of reel those unrealistic expectations and, and more importantly, use them to make smarter decisions on the golf course.
0: What was, what was the percentage you said for uh, greens and regulation? That's a, uh, that's, Pretty acceptable. I
1: mean, you, usually the line in the sand. I mean, if you're hitting 50 or you're hitting nine greens around, um, you're 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 performing like a very low single-digit handicap, and it, it, it's it's a straight line up. Meaning, um, the more greens and regulation you're going to hit, that the lower your handicap's going to get. It, it, it's one of the strongest correlations in golf. I'm not in love with a lot of traditional golf stats like putts per round uh, because they can be misleading. Um, you could hit 17 greens around and have a lot of putts and still shoot in the low seventies. Um, but if you're hitting a ton of greens, um, your scores are going to go down. And and like I said, that could be six, seven, eight greens around. You don't have to hit all of them, but what you want to do is you want to give yourself an opportunity to hit them or at least keep the ball near the green. Um, which again, will help avoid those bigger numbers, which is really the, the, the primary problem I'm trying to solve. I, you know, the unofficial tagline of the site is that we're, we're fighting the war on double bogeys with practical golf. So that that's really what I'm trying to eliminate from most golfers games.
0: Right. I and mean, you think about limit, eliminating that. And it makes sense to me to, to on the green, you're a lot likely to take four or five, six putts, whereas, but before you get to that, who knows what could happen before. And that can, that can lead to a lot of different things, trees and water and out of bounds. So. Sure.
1: I mean, a lot of good things can happen if you can keep that white ball or yellow ball, whatever color you're playing with now, if you can keep it reasonably in front of you, it doesn't need to be a laser exactly where you're aimed, but um, if you can pick smart targets and keep the ball in a reasonable window around those uh, around the target you chose, um, scores generally go down. And that's a mixture of skill level, uh, strategy, and a few other things.
0: Yeah. yeah. So what with regards to you know Mitch a little bit of picking your targets and and whatnot what's some of the biggest mistakes you you come across with regards to course management
1: um so i would say um let's talk about off the tee first i think one of the things that i got backwards for a long time and a lot of other golfers is that we've often been told that you know playing for safety and what i mean by safety is probably choosing a club less than driver um and trying to hit it shorter uh, to keep it in play uh, would lead to lower scores. And I've done a number of testing myself and looked at data across a lot of other golfers. um, And it just doesn't add up. Um, You know, when you, when you choose a club less than driver, you're already losing strokes because you're not hitting it as far. You know, we often think about um, lowering your scores by keeping it a more narrow dispersion, which is true. Um, but every 30 yards you give up on the tee is worth about a third of a stroke. So if you take a four iron versus a driver, for me, that's about a 60, 70 yard difference. All things being equal, I'm giving up close to two thirds of a stroke with that decision. And what's interesting is that when I've tested my four iron um, hitting it on a launch monitor over and over again, or even my three wood, I'm not as accurate as I, as I thought I was. And if you look at the broad data amongst recreational players, neither are they. Um, So one study we did recently with shot scope was that when drivers hit, when I'm sorry, when players hit a driver versus three wood off the tee, their fairways hit were identical. So they were no more accurate with the three wood, but they gave up 30 yards in distance. Um, So I think, And this is all specific to everyone's game. I think you need to do some analysis in your own game and see your trends, but looking broadly um, that common advice for laying back off the tee for accuracy, isn't the best advice in terms of giving yourself a better chance to post a lower score. Um, So we're starting to see, obviously in the pro game guys are hitting more and more drivers and trying to advance the ball as far as possible. And I think that's even more important at the recreational level because, you know, a tour pro, if they leave themselves 180 yards away on a par four, they can still get on the green a lot. Right. Um, but if we look at recreational players, they'll struggle a lot more with those shots. So, um, you know, I think a basic framework you can work with off the tee is that. It's not fairway or bust. It's more, what can I do to advance the ball as far as possible and avoid penalty areas, trees, and bunkers? Um, Those are the three biggies you want to avoid. Um, So I would take that framework out on the course and try and work backwards from there. Um, So that's one mistake that I've made, and I know a lot of others have made over the years, just because that was the conventional wisdom that was passed down.
0: Right, yeah. In high school, I I would always – pretty much always teed off with my three wood because i was so inconsistent with my driver obviously i should have probably worked on my driver to get a little bit more consistent with it and that would have made a difference but so there's always you know the little caveats there like i think i'd probably hit one in five of my drivers where i wanted it to you know or roughly where i wanted it to so but um but yeah Yeah, and 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 if you look at if you look at
1: yeah, if you look at most players, obviously, like I said, there's always and you said this too. There's always caveats. There's always exceptions to the rule. Um, but if you go on the course, and I did this for a long time, looking for any excuse not to hit your driver, um, you are holding yourself back. So, obviously, you've got to put some work in and figure out a technique that works for you to keep the ball in play most of the time. Um, but it's also like a uh, a commitment to say that you know I, I do want to embrace my driver. I should be hitting it on most par fours and par fives. Um, what can I do to stop being so scared of this club? That could be getting fit for the right driver. Uh, that could be taking some lessons that could be practicing more effectively. But at the same time, um, it's not abandoning it when things aren't going well. There's just certain days where you can't control your driver. and I don't think you'd be able to control your three but that well that day either because you know maybe it's an inch and a half, two inches shorter, but if there's something wrong with your swing, can't avoid that from a Um, mental standpoint it always seemed like it was better (laughs) yeah exactly i think it's a false sense of security um is is mostly what it is um so that's something i've changed my thinking on and it's it's just another topic that i I'm, i'm continually talking about these days just because um you know like any other sport or um, game, whatever, um, there's a newer way of thinking that's more based on data versus folklore.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, um, They've shown so in some, basketball the three-point is worth that much more than, than they used to think so. so.
1: Yeah, and again, I, I try and draw a line between the pro game and the recreational game, but there's no question that recreational <laughs> golfers need more help in that category than a pro golfer. A pro golfer can still shoot par- or under par if you took away their driver because they're just that good. But they're they're competing for fractions of a stroke with one another, so every, you know, 10 yards counts to them. Um, but for recreational golfers, you're doing more harm than good in most scenarios by trying to play it safer off the tee.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mostly uh, m- most other golfers, you know, let's say like a, what, like a Brendan Todd who's known to be a shorter hitter or um I'm blanking on some other guys, but you know You could
1: say Webb Simpson, you could say Colin Morikawa is not a big hitter, but he's already won a major. Um, I think there's a lot of examples for guys who don't hit it over 300 yards on average, who are still finding success on the tour.
0: Right. Right. And that's because some of the other parts of their game are just as just better or yeah,
1: exactly. And, and again, they're, these are the best players in the world. So, you know, if you're not good somewhere, you better be exceptional somewhere else.
0: Yep. All right. So we covered, uh, off the tee and with, you know, big mistake for course management. What about some of the other categories?
1: Um, I think with approach shots, it's a, it's a very basic framework that I usually tell people, I think on approach shots, whereas on tee shots, you can stand to be more aggressive in the sense that in the traditional sense of the word aggressive, where you can hit driver and, and, and still, you know, you can hit it in the rough, miss the fairway and be okay. Um, with approach shots, you know, most golfers default to aiming at the pin for a number of reasons. And that's just not a good idea for, for many reasons, because first of all, we can't control the golf ball that much to land it uh, on one side of the green versus either the
0: left or right or front or back or both. put such a pretty stick and flag in the, in the middle of the green. Yeah.
1: It's very difficult not to aim at it because it's the only thing sticking out of the ground. So you just assume, well, that that's my target. Um, And what we found when we look at golfers in general is that most players, and we talk about mistakes that people make, they overestimate their distance. Um, They think they hit it farther than they do with their irons. So let's say your best seven iron is 165 yards, but your average seven iron is probably 150 to 155 yards. Don't choose the seven iron thinking you're going to hit it 165. And that's another way that shot tracking can help your game. You can actually see how far you're hitting your irons. So, the generic piece of advice I give golfers is that you should aim to the backyardage of every green and play it towards the center. And this mo- works for most skill levels because, um, almost every golfer misses the green on the short side, they don't hit it as far as they do. So aiming at that backyardage will compensate for that. And then looking at the center or at least, you know, adjusting based on the green you're looking at all, all greens are shaped differently, but trying to at least aim for the, the bigger meteor side of the green, Um, you're going to avoid short siding yourself where you're missing the green and you don't have that much room uh, between the pin and yourself. Those are the situations where recreational players get in trouble. Again, a PGA tour player, maybe not as big of a penalty because they're fantastic wedge players. Um, But for a normal player, that's a situation where they might, you know, flub their chip and not get it on the green or skull it over. Um, And then, you know, now we're talking double bogey situation. So by, taking a more conservative approach, um, with your iron play in terms of your target and maybe selecting a little more club, you're just giving yourself a better chance to get on the putting surface. And more importantly, avoid those really disastrous situations where you might short side yourself in a bunker, um, and put yourself in a really difficult situation, not only just to make par, but even to make a bogey. Um, and that's what I think most golfers should approach, uh, I'm going to say this twice, approach their approach game with is um, don't be a hero. Don't try and hit the the ball over the pin because you can't put it there. And also, you're not going to make the birdie putt most of the time. Um, like I said, 125 yards on the PGA Tour, the best is 15 feet. Um, you're talking less than a 25% chance of making that putt. So the best player in the world um, can't land themselves in a window where they're consistently making birdies. Why can you? Uh, you can't unfortunately. Um, So I would say with your irons, go out there with a much less aggressive mindset and think about um, avoiding the bad miss. Um, You know, let's say if there is out of bounds behind the hold, then yes, adjust your target on the shorter side. I want you to think about your surroundings and make a smarter decision. Um, But I think that's a framework, again, that could help efficiently lower people's scores without really
0: doing too much to their technique. Right. Right. I mean, it's very, very broad statement. We'll say in it's very basic. Statement. Yeah. It's very right.
1: basic and it sounds too good to be true, but the hardest part with any habit is actually sticking to it because most golfers will start out the round thinking that, and you know, they'll still hit some bad shots and they still might get post some bad scores, um, and then they abandon the strategy and all of a sudden start getting aggressive, kind of like that gambler mentality when you're, when you're falling behind on the blackjack table. Um, so it's simple advice, but it's really hard to stick with. And I know for a fact, the golfers that do, I get messages from them all the time. They're saying, wow, my handicap's lower just by adjusting my aim on my iron play. Um, it's not rocket science. It's really discipline.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think emotion is, I can't remember who said it, but you know golf is more of a game of emotion than than most people give it credit for because you, you feel you feel whatever pressure or whatever it is and that changes how you're uh how you approach the game and you know maybe even how you swing.
1: Yeah we've all got that little devil on our shoulder telling us to go for it. And and there are times to go there there are times to step on the gas pedal and there are times to step on the brakes. And that's you know learning the nuance of strategy and, and the mental game takes a lot of time. It's it's easier said than done. Um, but I think that's when you talk about golfers who are smarter, um, in their strategy, they understand these, these fluctuations in the game where, you know, they could, um, really go for it off the tee, try and hit it as far as they can on a par five. Don't lay up to your favorite wedge yardage, get it as close to the green as possible. That's stepping on the gas in a traditional sense. Um, but then they know, well, if there's a tucked pin on the left side, surrounded by bunkers and a steep hill, I am not going to play at that pin because I know if I miss it on the left side, I'm in deep trouble. Um, so again, it's this stepping on the gas and pumping on the brakes throughout the round and then just accepting the results no matter what.
0: Right, right. All right. So we kind of, I think we kind of covered some of this, but well, question I have here was, what are, you, what are your recommendation for a golfer that's struggling? You know, what's the best way for them to make it around the course?
1: Uh, that's a tough one because um, I think everyone knows what it feels like when your round's not going as well as you want it to. And that's, that's just a matter of – that's just golf. Um, no matter how good you get at this game, um, there's a certain amount of rounds. I, I don't know what percentage it is for all players that you're, you're going to struggle. And those are the rounds that I believe separate the golfers who are going to get better versus the golfers who are either going to remain stagnant or get worse. Um, so the main recommendation I give to a lot of players and it's not really fun information is that you need to develop a bit of grit and resiliency in your golf game. Um, it's easy to be excited and feel good when you're hitting great shots. You know, you start off with a few pars, maybe sprinkle in a birdie or two there. Um, that's fine. That's, that's when the game feels easy. But in most instances, it's really how you're reacting to the outcomes that aren't favorable. Um, and they're, and they're just outcomes that are always going to happen. So um, I think for any, any level of golfer, they, they really need to work on that, um, that grit, that resiliency and, and just saying to themselves, first and foremost, getting back to my original point, I'm out here to have fun. This doesn't have to be some battle. Um I'm not playing to, you know, qualify for the US Open or something like that. You know, your score is really a byproduct of your skill level, your decisions, um and maybe your mental state for the day, and it will fluctuate. So, I think the best thing to do is just say that, you know, when things aren't going well, I'm going to stick to whatever framework you have. Perhaps it's your pre-shot routine, selecting the smart targets, And then um, accepting, or at least being ambivalent to the poor results, and just understanding that's part of the game. Uh, I think we tend to take it a little too personally, and I I struggle with this myself. Still, I'm not perfect. Um, So if you know you do hit a tee shot out of bounds, that's just it. Just happens. You know, we see it on the pro level. It maybe it's not televised as much as it's happening, but it is happening. And just understanding that is part of the game and having the, um, I guess, commitment to remaining with that fun level um, and then sticking to the plan, so to speak, if you're trying to play the game a little more effectively from a strategic and mental level. Um, Again, easier said than done. You don't have to be perfect at it, but if you were someone who maybe blew up a few holes around and you got better at not blowing up mentally one or two less holes per round, that, that could be some real progress in your scores and your enjoyment level. Yeah. So anything I'm saying doesn't have to be, you go from zero to a hundred, you can go from 20% to 30%. And that could be, you know, that's a 50% gain. Um, so you're trying to do it in baby steps.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, I would always say, uh, you know, s- simple consistency leads to greatness, you know, other common way of saying that, you know, the 1% better each day, Right, you just go that little bit by little bit, and it's amazing after years of time what that can can change. Yeah,
1: it's and it's totally cliched advice, but it really works. And I'm sure you see this as as a personal trainer. You know, I'm someone who tries to maintain a certain fitness level, and just by keeping a basic habit of like doing a few you know pull ups and push ups a day, and gradually increasing that over time, it's amazing what that simple act five minutes a day can do for your life, and then build from there. Um, so I think this concept, you know, works in whether it's dieting, fitness, golf, whatever. Um, it's cliched overused advice, but it actually works.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, awesome. So John, thank you so much for, for some of this information. I always got a few wrap up questions that I ask everybody. And sure. so the first one is what's your favorite golf memory? Uh,
1: ooh, that's a tough one. I've had a lot of good ones. Um, I think, um, in terms of, you know, I play a lot competitively um, or trying to play more competitively. I think my favorite memory recently was um, I was playing in a tournament in Bethpage Black, which as we know, is one of the toughest golf courses in the world. I grew up playing it from time to time and it's kicked my butt more times than I can remember. Um, And in one tournament for one day, um, I shot one over par and I was tied for third against some really good golfers. And it wasn't my lowest score ever, but when you shoot you know, 72 at Beth page black under pressure. Um, it literally felt like I had climbed Mount Everest. Um, so that, that was a really fun memory. Don't ask me what I shot the next day, but, um, for that 24 hour period, I felt really good about my golf game. Awesome.
0: What is your favorite exercise or drill to improve your personal game?
1: Um, I think the one that's probably the most bang for your buck, um, is measuring your impact location. Um, So a lot of, you mentioned you had when we were talking off the air, you had Adam Young, who is a good friend of mine on. This is a drill that he recommends and many other instructors. Um, Get yourself some foot odor spray and start spraying your irons, driver, woods, whatever. And start understanding your tendencies on where you're striking it um, on the face of the club? Are you a heel striker? Are you a toe striker? Do you strike it too high or too low, or is it all over the place? Um, and then start experimenting with consciously trying to strike different parts of the club. So for example, I mostly struggle with striking it on the heel. And when I try and strike it on the toe, I'll hit the sweet spot. Um, so I think, um, impact location is a very under, appreciated fundamental in the golf swing. And it's something that you can do, whether you're practicing at home into a net or at the range. Um, but just understanding your tendencies and then consciously trying to change them. Um, I think you'll be surprised, uh, how much progress you can make as a ball striker.
0: What's one takeaway you would like the listeners to apply today or this week?
1: Um, I think the main thing I just want everyone to get out of golf is that, um, despite the fact that I'm trying to give all these ways to get better, I just don't want people to take the game so seriously and just enjoy themselves. I think that's, you know, again, very cliched, overused advice, but you know, whether it's weekly, monthly, or even every time after you play around, just take a step back and think about what you want to get out of this game and what you're willing to put in. Um, if you're not willing to put in much, that's okay. Um, you don't have to work that hard at being a golfer. I just wouldn't expect to get that much better. Um, you don't even have to keep score. Um, just go out there and enjoy the sunshine and and, and the birds chirping and being with your friends outdoors, which, you know, now more than ever is an important thing. Um, so I, I just want people to kind of step back and smell the roses because unfortunately for many years I didn't. Um, and that's really my, my biggest regret as a golfer is that, you know, I spent a period of time, not enjoying the game because I just really didn't have a good understanding of what I wanted to get out of it.
0: Very good advice. All right. So last one is who would you recommend I get on the podcast?
1: Uh, well, you already had one guy on there who I'd recommend who's Adam young. So you've checked that off your list. Um, another good friend is Scott Fawcett. He's, he's one of the top, um, strategy coaches, mental coaches. He's kind of does it all now. Um, he's, far more interesting than me
0: when he speaks. So he would be a good guest. (laughs) (laughs) I found this conversation pretty interesting. So, you know, a lot of good tips, good, a good good ideas. So don't, don't down yourself.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it.
0: Um, yeah, we've, we've reached out to him. He's a busy man. So we've been working on him. We did, we did get his, uh, his buddy, uh, Lou, I'll just Stagner. Stagner. Yep. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Another great resource. Another one, you know, considering, uh, do you know, Mike Carroll from fit for golf? Um, he's a yep. fellow trainer. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's been a great resource for me, um, in terms of what I'm doing and trying to keep my body, um, injury free and, and certainly figure out ways to hit the ball farther. So he, he's a great wealth uh, of knowledge. Um, yeah. So those are some good names to work with.
0: Perfect. Thank you. John, thank you so much for coming on today. Before we wrap up, how can we uh, support you and follow your work?
1: Um, The best thing you can do is go to my site, practical-golf.com. There's over 400 articles on there at this point. I don't want you to read all of them at once, but maybe scan through them, see what resonates with you. Um, We just launched a forum. So it's a really great community of golfers looking to help each other and exchange ideas. um, So you can find the forum on there. Um, I don't spend as much time as I used to on Twitter, but you can find me there at at practical golf. Um, that's really where I spend my time online.
0: All right. Well, that's it for this episode of golf under park podcast. We'll have John's information in the show notes below. And thank you so much for all of you listening. And thank you, John, for coming on. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed this content on the go. If you found it helpful, please share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. This allows us to reach more golfers, just like you, that want to play under par. Do you want to be stronger and healthier? Well, I've got a resource for you, Golf Fitness Tips. It's a free Facebook group where we talk about how to take care of our bodies so that we can play more golf, we can play golf longer in life, and we can play better on the course. If that interests you, then check out the link below or search for Golf Fitness Tips on Facebook.